0: We begin in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, on this wonderful Sunday morning. If I used a phrase, and I have to get it right, the only thing to say on a bright Hawaiian Christmas day, who's going who's to who's fill it in? I think I saw. I think I heard you get it almost close, right? Uh, Malikiliki maka is the thing to say on a bright Hawaiian Christmas day. Um, now we 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 are blessed with beautiful sunshine here in Colorado, um, but I think coming this week it may change <laughs> and it may get a little bit cold and a little bit snowy. And so maybe this Christmas you start dreaming of a bright Hawaiian Christmas day. Now that phrase, malikalikimaka, is the word to say. I had to practice. Pra- Here's a tip for you. If you're going to do public speaking, try not to include the phrase mucca over and over again. So, um, so I'm going to do my best. I'm going to do my best. Um, that phrase, right, um, means Merry Christmas, at least to many of us, right? Uh, this is actually a... a um, kind of a public work of art. This was taken from Honolulu. maka is the word to say on a bright Hawaiian Christmas Day, right? Now, do you know the origin of that phrase or that word or even what language it is? Yeah, okay. Polynesian, it's not, right? Here's the really fascinating thing about this. Malikaliki Maka, um, on some level, is just gibberish. It's not a real word. Did you know that? They're not real words. So here's now. Stay with me. Um, it means for us. Merry Christmas, and maybe you've said it, or you've seen it in movies, or or um, you've heard it sung by this guy, right? Popularized by Bing Crosby in the 1950s, right? So maybe that tune is even going through your head, right? Some of you are singing it. Eric's taking requests after the service if you'd like him to, <laughs> yeah, if you'd like to put him on the spot and see if he can strum it. Um, but that phrase "Malikaliki Maka" was was popularized to some degree by Bing Crosby. Uh, I think late 50s, 60s, uh, um, and and means Merry Christmas. Now, the phrase was around prior to the 1950s, 1960s. Um, some have found it as far back as about 1904, where they saw it in print. Now, here's the real issue with it: it's not an actual language, and on some level, it's kind of just made up and gibberish. But you can understand why because here's what happened. Um, somebody along the way said, we want a word that is going to convey Merry Christmas in Hawaii. And, and so some of the languages that they were wrestling with didn't have the English equivalents to put on it and so what they did was, and this, I went into far too deep a dive on the origins of Um but some of it was phonetic, how they were adding things in. And, and in the end, somebody came up with that phrase, Malikaliki is the word, to say, right? Um, because maybe it sounded a little bit like other words that were connected to it. Maybe it sounded slightly like Merry Christmas. So, on some level, we maybe have used that phrase, maybe you've used that phrase, and you've said, okay, this, it means Merry Christmas. But the truth is, the actual word itself doesn't have a lot of connection to it. But it probably brings up a pretty good point for us. Um, It raises the issue of, and the reality that, that names and words have meaning. Or at least they should have meaning, right? And we want them to have meaning. If you want to communicate with other human beings, your words have to have meaning. So, a little bit of the history of Malikaliki Mecca. Now, here's another fascinating part about it. Um, and what I've seen is somewhat recently, there's been a little bit of, I don't know, I don't know that I'd call it controversy about that word, um, but it's been brought up a little bit that this was, was a word that maybe wasn't native to Hawaii and maybe that other people imported in and, and, and um, created that word and then popularize that word in song. Um, And so a couple things come from this. Number one, words have meaning, right? And we want them to, otherwise we can't communicate. But the second thing we want to hold on to is, who gets to decide what those words mean, right? Who gets to settle on what is being communicated in any given word or phrase? Today, that's what we're going to look at. We're going to look very specifically at two names of Jesus, Jesus and Emmanuel. And I think it's good for us as believers to to consider, okay, not only what do these names mean, but also who has the authority to assign that meaning to them? We're going to find both those things in our text from Matthew today. Um, And and the, the depth of it for us as believers, ultimately, points to our salvation. So our theme today is going to simply be named, okay? And we're going to look at those two names and uh, what God was trying to communicate to us through, the, through them and on some level what right he has to attach that meaning to those <coughs> names, okay? So that's where we're going. Uh, if you like bullet points and you'd like to know a roadmap of where we're headed, this might be where I'm headed with all of you. I might take a detour as well, so. Uh, but generally, we're going to look at uh, the two names in our text, Jesus and Emmanuel, um, and then the last one, hello, my name is, we're going to fill in that blank when we get to that point, so that's kind of where we're, where we're headed. Uh, if you'd like to follow along with me today, you're welcome to do that. You can find in your bulletin, um, you'll also find our text on the screen here today. So I'm going to just start by reading the first few verses, uh, specifically verses 18 and 19, and, and we'll... we'll Understand the setting just a little bit. So Matthew eighteen and nineteen says this. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her was her husband, or her husband was faithful in the law, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. Okay. A little bit of background on what we're talking about here. And so this is, this is Joseph, this is the, the adopted father of Jesus, the stepfather of Jesus. This is Joseph who was engaged to Mary and we've got to understand, I think, a little bit of the cultural setting at that time. Um, if you were engaged to someone, that was the same as being married to them, okay? And so, you can maybe put yourself in Joseph's shoes just a little bit about what was happening. So, he came to the realization that Mary was pregnant, that she had conceived. Now, if you were in his shoes, there's probably just a few logical conclusions that you're going to come to. And it seems as though, from our text, those are the conclusions that Joseph came to. But we get a couple tidbits of really fascinating things about Joseph. Um, And I want to point out two things. Number one, it he was faithful to the law. What does that mean when our text tells us that? It means that, that Joseph was a, was a practicing Jew, right? It means that Joseph knew the Old Testament, that he was in God's Word. It meant that Joseph was, I, I don't know, maybe to put it this way, was a, was a churchgoer, right? This was a part of Joseph's li- Joseph life, Joseph's life life. It wasn't just something he was born into, it wasn't something that was attached to him because of his ethnicity or or his blood, but Joseph practiced Judaism, he practiced worshiping the Lord and he knew the Old Testament and the promises God had made. So that's the very first thing that we notice in Joseph. The second one, and that one's maybe slightly more subtle and I think our English translation of it struggles just a, a little bit in that. But it says that Joseph um, intended to divorce Mary quietly. There's deep significance in that, in how Joseph chose to go about that. So we get these kind of two, two things that we, uh, um, kernels of who Joseph was and, and his character and what his life was about. And I, I would argue even on some level, um, these are things that we attach to his name, Joseph. The first was was that he understood God's Word and he practiced that, right, that he worshiped his God. The second thing, though, from our text is that he clearly had a heart of love. He had come to this logical conclusion that something had happened. He didn't know how, but he knew his wife was now pregnant and so, with a heart of compassion for Mary, he sought to divorce her quietly. What does that mean? saving her from public shame, at least a degree of it, right? Saving her and her family from, from a, a, de- a degree of, of, of being an outcast to a sense, or in a sense, from that Israelite community. And so what's kind of beautiful about the very start of this text is that Joseph demonstrates two things that at times are hard for us to do. He was... He was scripturally faithful and relied on God's Word. And that Word led him to show compassion and to show love, specifically in our text towards Mary. Now, that's kind of how our story starts out with Joseph running into this difficulty. God solves it for him, right? Sends an angel to him to say, this is what has happened. This is how it's going to be, and this is specifically what you're going to name the boy, which brings us to that idea of naming. Talked about it a little bit with the kids up here, but I think on some level we understand that as well, and, and, and I think we, we need to back up a little bit about the significance of naming. If you were blessed with kids, right, even if you weren't blessed with kids but you have animals, things like that, right, names have significance to us, right? Your name has significance to your parents, right? The names we give to our children have significance as well. That is true of us but absolutely true of those in, at Jesus' time as well. In fact, to an even larger degree. So that naming ceremony, the, the fact that you are going to, to place a name and a label on somebody, was a huge deal. And it was a big deal for a couple reasons, okay? Number one, if you named something or someone, it showed that you had authority, okay? You had the right to do that, okay? So if you give a name to something, you have the right to do that. Although Jameson said his buddy let him name his gerbil or something like that. So, so apparently his buddy gave away the authority to name his ger- gerbil to... Jameson, right? But but when you name something, you have the authority to do that. So that's the very first thing. But the second part of that is, is that um, that name then on some level speaks about priorities um, and is even in a little bit uh, um, aspirational about what you would hope for in this person that you are giving this name to. Okay, so that is true of us when we Give names to our children or your parents gave your name to you. Number one, they had the authority to do it, right? Because if your mom gave birth to you, she kind of gets a say in it, right? And dads too, right? Uh, but number two, uh, it's, it's about priorities and, and a little bit aspirational, saying here's what we are hoping for, for our son or for our daughter and for what is to come. That was very true of um, Joseph and and the people at Jesus' time as well. So now, back to Joseph. Imagine this. He says, he finds out that his wife uh, has conceived and is pregnant. Then an angel shows up to him and says, um, in fact, this is from the Holy Spirit. And goes a step further and says, Joseph, you're not going to name your child. I am. And you are to give him the name Jesus. Significant, isn't it? Because who had authority to name Christ? Our God above. Not Joseph in this case, right? Secondarily, what priorities does God want us to draw from the name that he placed on Jesus? And those are kind of the two things we want to look at. So let's look at those names, Jesus and Emmanuel, both in our text here today. Uh, So, I'm going to read for you verse 21. Uh, Let's see, verse 20 and 21. Oh, just verse 21 is good. So, it says this She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. So, first name we have today, Jesus, which you know well. Uh, That is the Greek there, Yezun, and it means the Lord saves. Now, um, Jesus, along with the word Emmanuel, the name Emmanuel that we're going to look at in just a little bit, um, we have to understand that these are, these are in the Greek, in the New Testament that we're pulling from our text here today, but they are uh, what, what language scholars would call a Hellenized version, a Greek version of an Old Testament Hebrew name, right? So, Yezun is the Greek, right? But it comes from Yeshua, right? Jesus in the Hebrew. So, if you have someone you know that is named Joshua, that is a derivation of the word Jesus, okay, and it literally means the Lord saves. Okay, so hold on to that one. Let's look at the second name from our text, verse twenty-two and twenty-three. Says all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet: the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with. Us. So, our second name today. So, Emmanuel, again, that's the Greek, a Hellenized version of the Hebrew, Emmanuel, right? So, it means God with us. So, names have meaning, right? In our text, you are given, at Jesus' birth, we're given two names of your Lord and Savior two names that God did not just pick indiscriminately, two names that God didn't just pull out of a hat, but said, I have the authority to choose these names and these names are meant to convey and to communicate something to people and to you. And I don't think it's hard for us to see exactly what God was trying to communicate, right? Jesus, the Lord saves. Emmanuel, God with us. Now remember when I talked about naming implies a degree of authority and on some level, priorities of what you are going to be about in your life? I think in both of these names, we see the very same thing from our God above. The first is authority, right? Jesus means the Lord saves. We have to ask ourselves, well, saves from what? Ultimately, from our own mess. Who can save us from that? Not our own doing, not being wonderfully good, moral, righteous people, but only the Lord. And that authority comes from our God above. And so the very first thing that we think about when we use that name Jesus, when maybe we even casually throw that name away or around, we have to understand the depth of it and the authority from which that name comes. It is God himself above that tells Joseph, you are to name him Jesus because the Lord saves. What is that connected to? Go all the way back. Go all the way back to Genesis when God said, I'm going to fix what you have broken. I'm going to make a promise to you and I do not break my promises and I fulfill them. And now an angel comes to Joseph and says, this is what you're going to name him. Joseph would have immediately understood, this is the fulfillment of everything God had promised. You want to talk about authority? Right? Think about Joseph in that moment. Maybe the very first uh, um, tinge of things would have been, why don't I? God, why don't I get to name this child? Like, I'm going to take care of him and raise him and feed him and uh, produce or train him to maybe to be a carpenter and all these things, right? Maybe the very first blush of of Joseph's thought was, why don't I get to name this child? And yet, I think probably as soon as Joseph heard that name Jesus and the Lord saves, I mean, been a student of Scripture, faithful in uh, um, his worship life, He would have immediately known, this is God fulfilling something. This is significant. And this does not come from me or anything this side of heaven, but this comes from God himself above. And thank God it does, right? God has the authority to give Jesus his name, but God also has the authority and the power to actually do what his name means, to actually save we talked about priorities, I think Emmanuel speaks to that. God with us. God with you. So if Jesus and the Lord saves and has that authority, Emmanuel shows us God's priorities and what he was going to be about and specifically what Jesus was going to be about in his life on your behalf. He would be and he was God with us. God with you. What does that mean? It's Christmas, we're going to be able to hear it. We're going to celebrate it. What it meant was being born in a manger, right? Which is kind of a, a nicer way of saying being born in a feeding trough. Right? What it meant was God would take on human form in Christ and be born in Bethlehem. What it meant was Christ would live his life sacrificially in humility on our behalf. And so now, remember, we're going back to authority and priorities. The authority Christ had, he was willing to submit, he was willing to lay down, he was willing to use on your behalf. He lived his life perfectly on your behalf. God was literally with us in Christ, in human form. And where did it end? What priorities did Jesus have? Well, throughout it all, it was you. We need not look any further than those two names, Jesus and Emmanuel, to understand, number one, God has the authority to do what he says he's going to do, which is save you, which is wash your sins away. And number two, we need to look no further than to understand what God was going to be about, what Jesus' ministry was going to be about, every single step that he took of the 33 years of his life, the priorities that he had, his priority was you and your salvation. It ended on a cross and he rose triumphantly to reassure us that our sins are forgiven. And so, what's in a couple names? Brothers and sisters, everything. (laughs) Everything for us. It's the whole reason we celebrate Christmas. It's everything, right? It's God's authority and ability to save and the priorities that he loved you more than his own life and that you are, in fact, forgiven and loved and have eternal life. So, names have meaning. <laughs> if significance, Jesus' names have meaning. How about for us? Right? I think on some level, we know words have meaning and we know that names have meaning. Right? And when we name something, now, I, I I do not know that maybe we necessarily always think to the depth, maybe, that Jesus and Emmanuel have, right? But when we name something, we are exerting a degree of authority and we are saying something aspirationally about priorities. And so what name has been placed on you? Let me ask you this. Sometimes when we look at our priorities, we can get a sense of the name that we, that we follow and the name that is placed over our heart. The truth is, I don't know that that name always in our lives points directly to Jesus or to Emmanuel. Here's what I mean by that. And this is kind of a reverse order of those two things. If you take a look at your priorities, let me say this, if you take a look at the things that you are willing to commit yourselves to, um, on a daily basis, right, and on a long-term basis. So the things that you are committed to, that you do either repeatedly or for an extended amount of time, can give you a sense of, of your priorities. Which moves us to what name would that be? I don't know that it's always Jesus or Emmanuel, right? I think there's a lot of other names that unfortunately we can fill in there. I'll give you some examples. Um, If if our priorities, so again, the things we do on a regular basis and the things that we commit to over a long-term basis generally point towards finances. If our lives and our relationships and the things we choose to do and the priorities that we invest in generally continually spin around Um, how much money we have in the bank, the success that we have in an earthly sense, then you can fill in the name, right? Who has authority over us in that instance? I think it could be money. How about respect within the workplace, right? Maybe it's not finances. We're all, we're all, uh, um, um, we're, we're, we're smart enough as adults, well-adjusted enough to maybe say that's not what I'm going to fill in in my blank. But maybe, maybe it's career. Maybe it's success at work. Maybe it's respect at work, the respect that you engender at work, that, that, that you, are, you are well-known, that people praise the things that you, you do. Maybe it's the, the, the value that you bring to your company or to your workplace. Maybe it's your education, your high achievement, all of those things. If your priorities continually swirl around those things, then maybe that's the name that you fill in there. About family, right? If your entire life revolves around your children and all of your priorities and all of your commitments and all of your short-term choices and your long-term choices all continually point back to your kids... Maybe their name is the one that gets filled in, right? Maybe it's a spouse, right? Boyfriend or girlfriend. Maybe it's a relationship. And that is the only thing that makes your heart beat and your priorities and your commitments point towards that. If that's the case, then maybe that's the name that gets filled in. Now, Are any of the things I just mentioned to you bad? You should say no. They're not because I talked about your kids. (laughs) They're good, right? These are blessings. These are all blessings that God has given us, right? These These are gifts that God has given us to use for the good of our families, our loved ones, our community, and the people around us. Those are all blessings but here's the issue when that becomes the name that you serve, when that becomes your authority and all of your priorities are are fashioned and spin around it, then we are in danger of letting that thing, that person, that situation, take the place of our God above. And I think it happens slowly and subtly, but over time. Which over time, something else gets filled in there. Besides Jesus or Emmanuel, right? question sometimes we can ask is, if, if, um, if all of us had that on us today and then you got to fill it in, let me back, you don't get to fill it in. You all get to wear one of those and your loved ones or your neighbors or people somewhat close to you got to fill it in He said, write in the thing that identifies you as you. What would they put in there? It's a good question, isn't it? And it, I think, on some level forces us to ask of ourselves, what am I communicating? What are my priorities? What am I committed to on a regular basis? And if somebody were to fill in my name tag for me, would would it say, Jesus, Emmanuel, Christian? Or would it say a whole host of other things? I think that's a fair question for us to ask of ourselves, right? But here's the good news we have in Christ. When Jesus thought of names, it was yours that was on his mind. Jesus was given the name Jesus and Emmanuel and yet it was your name, on his mind, um, in his heart, as he gave his life on the cross for you. And so as often as as maybe um, our lives revolve around names and things that are not Christ, that cannot save, and that absolutely will let us down sooner or later, as often as we do that, we turn our attention to Jesus and Emmanuel, who never lets us down or abandons us. Matthew references Isaiah chapter seven, which was the first reading in our text here today, um, about 42, 43 ver- or chapters later in Isaiah, Isaiah um, says this, specifically from Isaiah 49. It says, "Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, "I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms." Of my hands, right? As often as we fill in the name of various other things this side of heaven that cannot save, that will not save, and care very little for us, actually, um, our God above does not forget your name. In fact, they're engraved on the palms of his hands and in his outstretched arms as he gave his life on the cross, as Jesus did that on your behalf. Do these names mean anything to you? I saw some heads nod. I see some people smiling and others are just looking at me bewildered. Names have meaning and they have significance, don't they? These names mean something incredible every single person that sees those names these names also mean something to me and if you didn't know actually something to us as a church 47 names cvl has been around seven years 47 baptisms here at cvl right a lot of the little ones that are sitting here today right those names your names mean something to your god above mean enough, meant enough that he was willing to, to lay down his life on the cross so your sins could be washed away. And so meanings matter <laughs> because you matter and you matter to your Lord and Savior above. That is why we sing of his praises. That is why the name Jesus and Emmanuel means something far deeper to us than anything else. I don't know uh, if you should use the phrase Maka. Uh, this Christmas, I actually, I honestly don't. I, I don't, and I'll even be, even more honest with you. I don't really, I don't really care if you use it or if you don't. I um, know I don't, I don't, I don't mind Bing Crosby. I don't, I don't know if, if if it's okay to use that phrase or if it's now going out of style or whatever. I, um, but here's my encouragement to you. We, we have far better phrases to share this holiday season, this Christmas season. Um, then, Maka, I've got a suggestion for you here How about Merry Christmas, right? How about point those around us and in our lives directly to Christ, the God who saves and the God who is with us. Amen. <music>